certainly had a good time last week in homecoming. Had a good time with David Jones. He, was, he did a wonderful job for the revival. I know I enjoyed it. Um, preachers don't get to hear other preachers very often, and it was good for me to sit in the pew and be fed. So anyway, we love that. And uh, the week before we come, we started a new series of messages talking about um, wisdom for relationships. And of course, all these messages here lately, they're coming from Proverbs. And we're preaching through Proverbs, not verse by verse, but as you know, we're doing it um, topically. And the topic from Proverbs that we're doing right now is wisdom for relationships. And today, we're going to zero in on um, the topic of authority. Topic of authority. Now, our relationship with authority, it's addressed over and over and over in the book of Proverbs. And it's certainly just as relevant today as it was in Solomon's day. Now, we've already studied what Proverbs has to say about respecting and honoring parents. We had a good session on that. Um, employers and government and, and leaders in the church. We've already looked at that. So today we're going to take a little higher, maybe a, even a, a general view of this subject. Now, according to the book of Proverbs itself, the way in which we respond to those in authority says a lot about our relationship with God and it determines how we're going to treat others. So I think it's important that we look at this, uh, what Proverbs has to say about authority. Let's look at um, four truths about authority this morning. And the first one is this. We're going to jump right in. All authority comes from God. All authority comes from God. Now, the book of Proverbs, it's full of advice from the wisest man to have ever lived, not counting Jesus Christ, of course, but the wisest man who ever lived. We're talking about Solomon, King Solomon. Now, according to the book itself, it was written, Proverbs 1-4, um, it was written to give prudence to the naive and to the youth knowledge and discretion. And although Proverbs is a practical book written largely by a father offering insight and advice to his sons, we need to understand that all the advice that he offers is based solidly on the fear of the Lord. So we can take this and we can understand like, hey, this is good stuff. This is right from um, someone that feared the Lord. He, we can take him as our example. Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, throughout the entire book of Proverbs, um, reverence for God and reliance on Him, they are presented as the pathway or the path to life to prosperity and security. I want you to look at the ninth chapter in verses 10 through 12. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your ways will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. And then over in the 14th chapter, verses 26 and 27, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. 
Now, we know that King Solomon, we know he was a successful king who was not only recognized as the wisest man on earth, but he was also recognized as the most powerful and a wealthy ruler. He was somebody in his day and time. And as king, he had, to say, he had the authority to say and do almost anything he wanted to say and do. But Solomon, he was wise enough to recognize that his authority was something to steward because God was the source of his earthly possessions, his earthly position, and his power. See, Proverbs 29 and verse 26 says, Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. You see, authority is like any other resource that we, that we have to steward, like money or health or gifts or talents or time. Authority is something that we need to be good stewards of. We get to enjoy the resources, um, all those resources, but you see, they don't actually belong to us. Who do they belong to? God. They belong to God. You see, God lends us His resources, and He expects us to manage them in such a way that they grow His influences and His kingdom, um, and, and serve his purposes. We are to manage that authority in that way. So just like anything else, God can grant authority, but he can also take it away from us. And he and he alone has the right to do as he pleases. In Job, we'll go back to Job, the 34th chapter, verses 12 through 15. It says, Surely God will not act wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him authority over the earth? And who has laid on him the whole world? If he should determine to do so, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust. Now, if you put that in your noggin and you let that marinate a little bit, you're going to find out what a sobering verse that is. Remember, um, as the one who made it all, he controls over it all. He has that authority. But if we're not careful, if you and I aren't careful, we forget sometimes where authority comes from, especially when we bump into negative authority figures in our day-to-day -day lives. When we bump into those guys, we often forget where our authority comes from. So sometimes we struggle to see past the difficult boss or maybe the biased project manager or, or the mean-spirited coach or the, or the mean teacher or the annoying mask police. We, we just have a problem with that sometimes. But no matter how ridiculous we perceive the authority in our lives or how much we disagree with them, according to the book of Proverbs, our treatment of earthly authority reflects really how we feel about our Heavenly Father's authority. Now that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but that's what the Scripture says. It's so easy to let ourselves lower our vision and completely cut God out of the picture. And the devil is good at helping us do that. He provides all kinds of things for us to do that. 
When we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and off of God and forget about his authority over all other authorities, we tend to become survivalists. And as survivalists, then we rely on our own wit and striving to clear our own paths, do it, trying to do it ourselves. And many of us have tried that, and we found out that that doesn't work very well. Proverbs, the fifth chapter, in verse 21 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. Listen, there is no earthly authority great enough to pull rank on God. None. It just don't exist. And anyone who has ever said the buck stops here either was misinformed or they lied to you because all authority flows from God in heaven. All of that authority. And it's that understanding that should inform all of our um, interactions with any authority that God has allowed to come in our lives. Now folks, I'm not saying that's easy. It's not. It's difficult. But that's what Proverbs is telling us. Um, look at Romans 13 and verses 1 through 3. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Moving along, second point I want to make. God's word is the source of our authority. God's word is the source of our authority. In Proverbs 30, in verse 5 and 6, it says, Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will reprove you, and you will be proved a liar. Folks, the Bible is our source of authority because it's God's specific word to us. God's word is our authority. The words of God are perfect. The words of God are true. And it teaches us not only about who he is, but it teaches us how we should live our everyday lives. And that's so important, I believe, in today's world where many claim to have moral authority and are just confusing people about what's right and wrong. The church that I'm familiar with. They did a series of lessons one time, and it was called Elephant in the Room, or The Elephant in the Room. That was just the name of the, the series that they were doing. And what they did, they focused on the different elephants that impact young people's spiritual lives. And when I say young people, I'm talking about young adults. I'm talking about those issues that impact their lives, like homosexuality or the reality of heaven and hell or why God allows suffering and self-injury and suicide. So you can see these were pretty heavy-duty elephants that they were talking about, these elephants in the room. Now, one of the things that they recognized immediately was that they could not address such hot topics like that without first agreeing that the Bible would be the source of authority 
for every elephant in the room. And everyone agreed to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to take the word of God. That is the authority and all of that. And, you know, and they did their best to remove their, their, um, their biases and submit to God's word on each subject. Because like 2 Timothy 3.16, they all understood that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. Now when they got into this study, the feedback that they were getting, that they received from their students and, and the ardent way in which some of them argued their positions, even in the light of what the scripture uh, clearly teaches, you know, caused everyone to question. Because the things that they were saying and the way that they were arguing, even looking at the scriptures, it caused the teachers and the people and the, and the leaders in the church to question, do we really believe the final authority on all matters, that God's word or the Bible is the final authority on all matters? You know, and sometimes I've had to ask that myself. I know I've been in, in discussions before, and to make a long story short, I had a lady tell me, says, well, she said, preacher, what do you think? And I said, well, it's not matter what I think. Here's what the Bible says. And her words were, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I believe. Well, as soon as she said that, that conversation was over. Where could I go? You know, the Bible is the authority. And that's what we have to, to believe. Now, the devil's going to do his best to let you know that the world's authority, the government's authority, everybody else's authority. He's going to do his best to make you see it that way. But the Word of God is our authority. Folks, God's the one that created us. He's the one that made us. And he gives us the rules to live by. And those are the rules we're going to be judged by in order to get into heaven. So what do you want to do? Follow the word of God or somebody else's phony authority? Absolutely. So, you see, when we address issues in a way that sounds as logical or sounds fair or sounds balanced or sounds loving or reasonable, but is incongruent with the word of God, what we're really saying is we really don't believe or trust God. When we believe anything else, we're saying we don't believe or trust God. And folks, sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes we have to bite the bullet and say, no, this is what the Word of God says, and this is where I am going to stand. Um, we become the final authority when we say we don't trust God. We become the final authority, not Him. You know, the way too many people are kind of like Thomas Jefferson. They want to do the same thing Thomas Jefferson did. If you remember that, if you remember anything about the history of Thomas Jefferson, uh, you'll know that he had difficulty reconciling his own behaviors with the scriptures. So what he done is he just cut out the part of the scriptures that he didn't like. He just cut them out. And he produced his own version of God's Word. It was 84 pages long, entitled, The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that's pretty convenient, isn't it? Then he could live up to what he thought was the Word of God. I know one time a preacher's got in trouble, and you've heard the illustration, but a preacher, he took an old Bible that had been left, and the nursery kids got a hold of it, and they had ripped it up, and it was hard to use because pages were torn out of it. But he used that Bible as an illustration, and he started preaching from it. He said, I don't believe that, and he just ripped it out and threw it away. 
I don't believe that part. Well, people in the church thought he was destroying the word of God and they got all over him, but the point was made. In other words, we don't need to just tear out or ignore the parts we don't like. God's authority is God's authority. Period. We don't have a say in that. We have a choice. We can submit to it or we don't have to submit to it. That's our choice, you see. Um, probably at some time in our lives, all of us have been tempted to twist the Scripture into what we want it to say so that we can justify our own immorality. I'm not going to ask a show of hands because I think every one of us had it sometime. We've read the Scripture and we try to twist it a little bit to justify what we're doing at the time. But here's what Paul told Timothy here in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So you see, the question really does boil down to whether or not you will trust the God of the Bible and you will live according to His revealed Word. That's what it comes down to. We don't have to get in arguments over, over different things. It's like, this is what the Bible says, this is what it says. Plain and simple. You see, that's the authority issue at its core. And it dramatically affects our relationships with others. Now, we know that God's Word gives us specific directions um, for how husbands and wives are to treat each other. But each time a marriage crumbles, it's not too difficult to see that in spite of all the issues that they were having in their marriage, the core issue is that one or both spouses are not allowing the Word of God to be their source of authority. That's the bottom issue. That's why I, I just demand if I'm going to marry someone, I want to counsel with them. I want them to understand that God is the authority in their marriage. And a lot of people, they, they don't. Some say that's okay and, and they'll let me do that. Some they won't. And if they don't, I don't marry them because I think it's that important. Um, students, people, they walk away from exclusive faith in Jesus Christ on a daily basis because they just don't want to submit to the Scripture's authority when peer pressure is mounting. And we can see that. And then there are others who just don't want to hear about authority at all in no shape or form. And they don't want to submit to anyone. So they change jobs or they change churches and they do that all the time. In other words, if I can't submit to this authority or if I can't agree with what the Bible says here, I'll just go over here and see what else somebody says. But folks, if it's in the Bible, that's the authority. Period. Okay. It's really not about human authority, but it's about submitting to and obeying the Word of God. Number three, God expects us to respond to authority in ways that please Him. God expects us to respond to authority in ways that please Him. Again, I'll say the way in which we respond to authority says a lot about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and authority of God in our lives. 
It says something about that. It was Craig Groeschel. He says that honor is given, but respect is earned. And what he means is that you honor the position of the person in authority over you, even if you haven't um, earned their respect yet. You still honor that position because you recognize that God has placed them in your life at this time. Now, of course, that's easier said than done. That is hard, you know. But the good news is, the Proverbs, they tell us how God wants us to honor those in authority over us. First of all, it says we need to be receptive to instruction. We need to be receptive to instruction. Proverbs 8 or 10 and verse 8. It says, the wise of heart will receive commands, but a babbling fool will be ruined. Folks, this is a pretty true statement. Usually, other people can see your faults long before we see them. You know, they can see my faults long before I see them. And if we're not receptive to instruction, we will get, you know, stuck inside our own world of, of false excellence. We'll think that we're somebody that we're really not. We think that we'll have it all figured out. But sadly, we're mistaken. I know the 12th chapter of Proverbs in verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Andy Stanley says this. He says he's got a great way to know whether or not you're receptive to instruction. In his book, Deep and Wide, he says to ask the question, what it's like to be on the other side of me. In other words, how do others around me perceive my response to their direction in my life? You know, how do, how do you see my response when you give me direction? Do they see me as willing to learn or am I always reluctant or argumentative? Or do I just begrudgingly do what I'm told simply because I have to? Well, what would you say others um, say about you if you were to ask them that question. Second thing, we need to respond to authority quickly. Respond to authority quickly. Proverbs 18 verse 9. He also who is slack in his words is brother to him who destroys. For example, when you were a kid and your mom told you to clean your room how long was it before you actually cleaned your room? <laughs> this may depend on the personality of your mom, but for me, I kicked things around for about an hour and played with stuff and before I actually got started. I did that once. When my dad found out, it was just one time, I learned mom was authority if she told me. Dad was authority if he told me. And, of course, God was the ultimate authority. A lot of times, we only want to do things when we want to do things. And, folks, that can really come across as being disrespectful. So we really need to act um, prudently when we're asked to do something by someone with authority over us. Acting immediately shows we are good stewards of our work. Proverbs 27 and verse 18. He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit. And he who cares for his master will be honored. Third, we must speak rightly of authority. 
Proverbs 22, verse 11. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. And then in 16, 13. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is love. Folks, listen. Harsh words poison the well. And if you want to honor um, the authority in your life, speak well of them. You don't gossip about them. You don't allow others to slander them. You know, you guard what you say about them when you, when you do speak. And when you speak about them, it's always speech that is righteous. Is that hard to do sometimes? Absolutely, it is. When we speak poorly about those in authority over us, not only does it hurt other people, but it hurts us too. You see, oftentimes we don't see um, everything those in authority sees. We don't always know the greater context behind their words and actions. And often we forget that those in authority are people too. We don't know that they, they, you know, that they're having their own insecurities at the time. They have their own personal issues, you know, which they're dealing with. Um, we could be the ones in authority sometimes, and maybe we have a bad day. What do we look like to other people? In the show Friday Night Lights, an opposing coach uncharacteristically tackles um, a player, a.k.a. Woody Hayes. And both teams and fans and, of course, the, um, the players, they're all totally shocked when this coach comes off the bench and just tackles one of the other team's guys. When the coach is confronted about this, about his outburst and, and, and the way he acted, he apologized, and then he revealed that he had just found out before the game that his wife only had three months to live. Yeah. You know, something was going on. Yeah, that was uncharacteristic for the guy, and it was wrong, yes. But maybe we can understand. So the next time someone in authority is a little bit snippy or is acting out of character, maybe we should take the high road and speak well of them. You know, it could be that they just got bad news from a doctor. It could be that one of their kids is terminally ill. Or maybe their spouse just confessed something awful. You know, or their boss has been putting increased pressure on them and it's just rolling downhill. We don't know what's going on. If you give them the benefit of the doubt and you have the right heart towards them, speaking well of them, um, it will come naturally and it won't sound like it's contrived or just made up. Proverbs 14 and verse 3 says this, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Fourth, be humble before authority. Be humble before authority. Proverbs 22 and verse 4, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And then in Proverbs 29 and verse 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. You know, I really think that all of us are bent toward pride a little bit. We all want to be recognized. We all want to achieve. But one of the reasons why we are called to submit to authority is so that we can have an active place to check our pride. Think of that. In fact, humbling ourselves before authority is to make sure, or is the key 
to making sure that pride doesn't creep into our lives and take over us. So we take a humble posture before those in authority over us, and we trust God to take care of the rest. We don't always agree with the authority, but we are supposed to submit to it, and we'll trust God to take care of the rest. First Peter 5 and verse 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I want you to think of it this way. The humble way we respond to authority and the task that that authority gives us is one of the greatest tools we have to put the glory of God on display. Ever think of it that way? It's actor Ashen Kutcher. He said in a speech one time, he says, opportunity often looks like hard work. And it is. You know, and he went on to say that no job should be beneath you. As Christians, we must humbly give our best efforts, even if the job seems insignificant at the time. Even if when those who give us the assignments, we may not be, they may not be worthy of our respect. The Lord sees all we do, and it brings Him honor when we are faithful. You know, the Lord's our judge, not the world. Jesus said, in Luke 16, in verse 10, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. There's one principle I want to get to before we close. The last one, number four. When we are wise towards authority, we become more like Jesus. When we are wise towards authority, we become more like Jesus. Ultimately, the greatest example in their relationship with authority is Jesus Christ. You see, in the midst of our secular culture that promotes self and survival of the fittest, um, God gave us the example of His Son who left the riches, who left the rights of heaven to put on flesh and walk among the poor and the lowly and the oppressed. In other words, you and me. Jesus recognized, you see, he recognized his father's authority. And he was obedient to his word. Jesus followed his father's direction. And he was quick to fulfill his father's plan. Jesus blessed God in his speech. And he was humble enough to do what he was told even when it cost him his life. Folks, that is the authority. That is the example we need to follow. In Philippians, the second chapter, verse 5 through 8, it says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I want to end where I started. The way in which we respond to those in authority says a lot about our relationship with God and it determines how we're going to treat others. Only something you can deal with. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for your word and its authority. And Father, may we be a people that would submit to your authority because we know that blessings will come if we do. Father, we love you. And when we do fall, we ask your forgiveness because we do want to do the things that are right. In Jesus' name.